0: It's five. Harry Wilson, absolute blinder. Charles Tahinia may well have won it for Fulham. It's a wonderful strike from William. Come on, Fulham! Come on! Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under. We are back again to discuss Fulham versus Aston Villa disappointing 2-1 loss uh disappointing refereeing performance and a lot to discuss after the game i think and joining us for it we have sammy how are we going
1: hello i'm i'm actually really tired (laughs) uh first and foremost and i'll be 100 up front i'm slightly multitasking right now but all for the good of the cause and i'm always happy to be here always happy to be here with my family you know it's fun lovely stuff sammy thank you for um showing up
0: slightly later after lambasting us and saying you better be there on time. Um,
2: Dad, how are we going tonight? I'm um, well, thanks. Hello, everyone. And uh, I just want you to know that um, I'm fully focused. I'm single-tasking, and uh, you have my full attention.
0: It's always good to know. Sammy, Tech note. That's how fathers do it. Uh, let's get straight into the game. So uh, a 2-1 to v- to Villa. Look, it's an interesting one because this Villa team is absolutely flying at the moment, doing incredibly well, sitting very high up in the league. You know, uh, there's people still talking about Villa potentially challenging for the title. But I personally went into this game thinking that there was the potential for us to take something away from it. Um, Dad, was that your thoughts going into this game? Were we just being overly positive? Or do you genuinely think there was a chance here for, for Fulham to take at least a point?
2: Uh, definitely. Um, I look at, you know, not least with uh, the uh, guys from Nigeria back on board. I, I, I suspected they wouldn't play a role uh, in the starting lineup, but um, I, I I thought that we had a, as full a deck of cards as one could hope for. Um, and, I I, I thought we started pretty well. I I was, I remained optimistic until uh, things went bad.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, things going bad. Like, I'm not even sure. I I was actually really happy. I know, I know, I know. We, I know, we lost two-one, but like, I, I was actually really, really happy overall with how we played because Aston Villa, particularly at the moment, they're a serious, serious team, and I think. There is a lot of positives to actually take out of this game. I think we actually performed quite well considering. And we actually did give them a decent run. Like, this game could have been really, really catastrophic. And I actually think we actually... I don't know. And, like, I... I, Okay, before the game started, I literally said, if Maniz scores, um, I'm really, really happy. And I just want the guys to front up. And that's kind of what I got, so... I'm kind of in, weirdly, I'm kind of in good spirits about this. Is that wrong of me? I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, no, I, I, I don't think, think so.
2: I think if you, you, you expect really good teams to come up with moments of brilliance and mm. they they certainly took their opportunities, but it, it's a little disappointing that um, kind of glaring er- errors let us down, which no doubt we'll come on to.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely get onto the game. But to to your point, Sammy, it is a very good villa team. Um, and you know, look at someone like Ollie Watkins. Admittedly, two of his goals this season have now come against us. But um previous seasons in the Premier League, he scored 14 goals, eleven goals, fifteen goals. That's from playing pretty much every game with um well, well still thirteen games to go or, or slightly more than that. He's already got 13 goals. So he's having a, a seriously good season, just personally for him. And I think when you come up against a team who has a player like that up front in such good form and you've got a good base around them as well, they're always going to be hard to play against. And look, the week before we played Bournemouth, I think we dealt with Solanke really well. But I think Watkins is just a, a slightly different beast. And and you you know, you see it by the fact that he's getting picked in the England squad ahead of Solanke, who's in, in great form at the moment. But we we handled Solanke very well and shut down the the sort of service to him. But this Villa side, when you look at someone like Leon Bailey, who caused us a lot of grief on the wing, and, you know, Robinson has been having a really good season so far this year. He just got torn to shreds by, um, by Bailey on the weekend, who, who yeah. is a very good player, very quick feet, quick movements, cutting inside and... Um, Robinson struggled all game long. And then from there, Watkins um, was, you know, given a bit of a free reign against us. Um, mm.
1: Sorry. So I, I, yeah. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to get onto this at some point, um, Jack, but I mean, and I don't, I don't want this to be a uh, circle joke about um, Aston Villa because we are a full on podcast, but Genuinely, they're quite – they're a really deceptive team in terms of like you've got players like Tielemans. You've got um, even um, uh, Douglas Louise, who's been in the Premier League for ages now, like across the park, really, really strong and really, really consistent. So, again, like like, Bailey completely shut down Robinson. But I think we were largely – if we weren't necessarily shut down, it was very, very competitive um, among – the entire game, and like uh, the, the last ten minutes was just the apex of that. It was just everything just went crazy, and the kitchen sink was thrown at the wall and all that stuff. Because it's like, what else do we do? What else do we do?
0: Yeah, it's it's a good point. And if we look at the stats for the game, I'll just pull them up on the live stream for those following. It's it's actually very even. Um, Fulham with fifty two percent possession to Villa's forty eight. Fulham fifteen shots on goal, Villa twelve. Fulham four on target, Villa three. Passes were within 25 of of each other, same number of corners. Fulham with more fouls, and we'll get on to maybe looking at the referee's performance. Um, But it, it, it does prove that this was a very tight game between two good sides who were in fairly good form. I'd say the one negative for me would be, well, not negative, but something that I wish had happened was, I wish Nigeria had been knocked out of Afcon a week earlier, just <laughs> so we had a, a fully fit Awobi and a fully mm-hmm. fit Calvin Bassey starting in that lineup. Because I think Reem and Diop are just a step below where Bassi is. And I saw it when Bassi came on; he looked great, mm. um, and, and even Awobi playing out of position looked pretty handy as well. And I, I think we were probably just a week off having a few players back from injury, like Harry Wilson. Uh, Iwobi, Bassey. And I think we could have really given Villa a a bit of a fright in this game and and taken points and maybe even taken all three if we'd taken some chances better. But to say that at the same time, I think Villa probably should have put away a couple of chances early doors as well. So, um, look, a 2-1 result for me personally seems fair. Um, But, Dad, let's talk about the first goal. I'll throw to you. We were sat together watching this game and it kind of came out of the blue. I actually think I had my head down, looking at Twitter at the time when, when the throw-in happened. Um, but it's something we've seen Fulham do this season a fair bit, that throw-in that sort of runs across the centre of the pitch, and then we spread it to the other side and have that quick transition, but we just completely cocked it up, to be perfectly honest.
2: Well, um, I, I I was completely astonished when that happened. I mean, there, there are there are many, many football codes out there, and I think every single one of them says, if in doubt, go down the line. And um, it's, it's interesting. There were two other options. Well, there were two other men involved. One was Polinia doing nothing. One was Kenny, kind of ambling around and not really making himself available. Um, kind of surprising to me that Willian actually ran into the space. So it must be at least half responsible for creating the opportunity which just doesn't come off um his man follows him into the space um and i i suppose you know half a second half a yard um more and Williams got the space to to knock that to leno and on we go but it falls apart it's it's a very risky move Mm. and I, I, I know lots of people on Twitter have been talking about it, and rightly so. We're, we're, we're really not very good at throw-ins. I, I actually remember commenting that when Castagna came into this side, I thought he was a little bit of a um, breath of fresh air in terms of how quickly and proactive he was with throw-ins. Um, and he he, he kind of looks to do something, and he seems quite switched on. We we, I, and I know that Liverpool have got a throw-in coach, and who knows, maybe other people do as well. But it seems that we're just not very good at that aspect of the game, and it it surely what is the point of winning a throw-in if you can't do anything very effective with it? Um, and if if teams practice twenty set pieces for corners or whatever. Why can't we have more up our sleeves? On the left, on the left, on the right. Um, it it just seems like a gaping omission for us to not be tactically on top of or better at.
1: Well, I, look, I'm I'm not going to claim in any capacity to be a throwing expert or have a detailed understanding of that in the game. My understanding is when um you're like like um, pushing the ball back, it's just to actually open up space to then move forward. Um but it's just it's it's a really simplistic move. and if anything, um it, it's just really, really short-sighted by us because of course, in my opinion at least, of course, villa is gonna be completely all over that, and all it just takes is just one mistake for them to capitalize and that's exactly what they did. um I don't know I, I, is that too simplistic of you or
0: well I, I kind of disagree. I think you're asking for us to do. More from throw-ins, but this is—it's a set piece effectively. What, mm. what we've tried to do here, it, it's obvious. What we do is we push men up the line to open that space in the middle. We throw the ball across Willian's body, so it looks like it's going to him. The defender gets drawn to the line. The ball then runs across Willian, and he has all the open space to then go, go and attack down the other wing. The problem is, we just—it's a—it's a mistake. It's yeah, a cool. poorly executed throw. And we see it with corners. Our live stream is going off in the chat about how terrible we are at set pieces, and it's true. We see it with corners as well. We try a lot of interesting things with corners and it never comes off. Sometimes I think it's better for us to just, you know, put it in the box, put it on someone's head, and, you know, we got tall players in the box. Why are we playing the ball around short? Why are we trying to get volleys from the edge of the box sometimes? I know we got the players to do it, but... Still seems risky, and and in the same sense, I think, with throw-ins, especially deep like that, you throw it up the line, defender heads the ball out of play, and you get another throw-in, and you just creep up the line and get get territory effectively. But I don't hate the idea of mixing it up with the throw-ins. We mm. just got caught out there, and I don't know if it's Villa maybe being a little bit more prepared than we were, because Jacob Ramsey, I think it is, who makes the tackle on Willian it's it's like he sees and knows what william is going to do mm. um i would i would absolutely and,
1: agree with that I, I think they just completely telegraphed it and just yeah just completely telegraphed diop as well
0: telegraphed and also just fucked it up as well to be perfectly yeah. honest yeah, and honestly. blunt about it it's yeah. robinson it is a poor throw he puts far too much juice on it and puts it too far away from william um and you know william is not quite as quick as he used to be gets shoved off the ball very easily it bobbles around a bit and we're probably a bit unlucky that Willian gets another touch on it because I think Diop is in a pretty good position to clear. But Watkins, you give him the ball in that area, he's never going to miss. And mm. it's a good finish from him. He takes his time and turns onto his stronger side rather than trying to take a snapshot at it and uh, puts it away past Leno, no chance, and 1-0 down. And, and not the position you want to be in after 23 minutes against a very good Villa side. Um Dad, from there, how do you think we bounced back after that? Because it's quite a blow and, you know, the Villa fans went loud at that point as well. It was booming through the TV as we're watching. I, I can only imagine what it was like in the ground. Um, but do you think Fulham actually bounced back fairly well? We've conceded goals quite quickly in multiple occasions. Um, I, I think personally we actually held together pretty well and, and pushed back from there. Yeah,
2: Yeah, so do I. Um, I And and that's. I think that's... Uh... We've been reasonably good at that over the last couple of months when we do concede, it doesn't all go to shit. Um, So I, I, I don't feel like we're guilty of that at all. And certainly not in this case. Um, As Sam said in the, uh, in the beginning of this uh, chat, I I honestly don't think this was a terrible performance by us at all. Not at all. Um, But it's just a couple of really key mistakes. And we've got, completely professionally punished for it you know um it's just disappointing
1: it's a it's it's, it's a weird one as well because any other season um uh, losing 2-1 to aston villa it's it screams a lot worse than it actually is but i mean so it was a. I genuinely see it as a really competitive game. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm actually watching it back right now just to remind myself. And this is a very, very competitive contest. I mean, uh, pretty much directly after the first goal, Reem has wait. Does it Reem has a crack? And then um, the hmm. like there is a lot of pressing going on. At no point are we completely out of this game. Um, but yeah, they're just a very, very good side. they I mean, they're a top four side. You can't not deny that at this stage um i don't know there's just a bit of cognitive distortion going on there because you think it's aston villa um i don't know yeah
0: yeah no it's um they're a good side we can't knock that but again you know we're creating our own you know we're smashing ourselves here we we are constantly creating errors and creating chances for the opposition We've seen it multiple times this season. I'm thinking some dodgy back passes, um, mm. some stupid fouls in dangerous areas, just just silly little things where if you fix that, we'd probably pick up an extra 10 points this season. Um, mm. But, again, that's something but for Mark to work with off the field.
2: Uh, this throw-in uh, sort of botched um, move aside, doesn't that just tell the story of our instability at the back? this season with injuries and it, it just sort of it, – it hasn't I mean, been I settled. Put it down to,
0: I wouldn't put it down to that, though. I mean, it's it's Robinson who's played every game and Willian who isn't a no, defender. But, but, I don't think it's the instability at the back.
2: No, hold on. Robert, Robinson got outplayed by Bailey.
0: Overall, yeah, but right? we're not talking about that for the but goal.
2: Absolutely not. Uh, the, the goal – are we not agreeing that it was risky – but a move that we, obviously, it is one of our set-piece throw-in moves, poorly executed, and they capitalised, okay? Mm. But I'm talking about, in general, um, our goals, uh, sorry, our goals conceded are areas of confusion early in the season with Bassi playing on the right. You know, it was was not our perfect back four by any means. Yeah. And I think... And I and I think we've we've struggled with that. Um and, and, and just when Bassi comes in and is looking incredibly imposing and um you know Castania's doing a good good job, suddenly Tosin's injured or Diops injured. Yeah. And yeah. and it, it's been really tricky, really difficult.
1: I think I think um uh, confusing is actually a really, really good word, Dad. Just because um uh if you compare like Uh, our current squad to that of last season last season just felt so cohesive and just so solid we we weren't the perfect article by any means but it felt like every everyone had a purpose within the squad and there was so much trust um uh, across the park uh (laughs) literally just kind of like looking back at this game we're not playing terribly but you can see that there is just a whole bunch of not like people are trying things and they're expecting people to be in certain places um uh, notably uh, when Pereira did a little flick back to like canny and Kenny wasn't necessarily there on time I don't necessarily even think it's anyone's fault in particular it's just we don't really have full cohesion at the moment we're a bit of a squad in transition. I, there is so much that has to be sorted out for next season. I think, I mean, realistically, at this point in the season, we should actually have that um, 100%. We know what our best starting 11 is. I'm sure you guys can agree. I actually have no idea what our best and most cohesive um, starting 11 is. Even though we actually have really, really solid players across the park, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot. Of um, yeah, it it just doesn't. It feels very clunky at the moment, and uh, I r- I really hope we don't persist with this next season at all.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, it all depends on the moves we're making. But uh, again, I think the clunkiness does come down to a bit of misfortune and and timing and bad luck. I think it kind of seems like Bassi and Tosin are our best two defenders as an option. Totally. Tosin spent the majority of the start of the season out, and there's obviously a lot going on with his potential contract as well. Um, Bassey, you know, didn't start at the start of the season after he was first signed. Then got put out of position. Finally found himself in his correct position. Then went off to Afcon. Um, we've only—I don't know the the stat for it. I should look it up and find out. But I can't imagine Tosin and Bassey have played more than four games together all season. And that's probably our best back two, for for me personally, at least. Um, And and so it's been constant change, constant mishmash. If we went into next season with Tosin and Bassi as our back two, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd like to see us sign someone else because I think Tosin will probably leave. But I I think our defence has the potential to be quite good and quite strong because I think Robinson has been brilliant this season so far. And Mm -hmm. Castagna slash Tete both have the potential to be very good. Um, it, it's It'll be interesting to see the moves we make in the market and if it's a focus on tying down Tosin or bringing in someone new. Either way, I I, I just feel like this season as a whole, when you talk about Mitro, you talk about the Polina hassle, everything that's happened this season, it's been clunky and a, mm-hmm. bit, a fractionally unlucky as well. And I'm, I'm already looking forward to next season for us to actually have the opportunity to build something a little bit better than we've currently got. Mm.
2: I, I I actually truly don't think it can be overlooked when you compare performances, cohesion, and just the whole thing clicking from last season to this season. We actually have had some really quite significant injuries to key players. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. that, inju- that injury to Pereira, he had a good season last season. People love dumping on Pereira. He had an incredible season, and mm-hmm. he had... A major injury, which I was astonished at how quickly he actually came back from, really. Mm. I thought he'd be out the whole season, and then he reappeared. Um, you know, people talk about Ream, and how from last year to this year, he's still good from time to time, but he's not the same Ream that he was last year. Mm. And I know, I know nothing happened to his legs, but he had a he had a bone break in his arm, and that forced him out for quite a while. And I think it really affected his momentum. Um, mm. You know, Diop's had an injury. Kenny Tete, you know, he still shows signs of it, but he can't actually put it together at the moment. Mm. I, I, I would always want to pick him because I love mm. him and I love what he does, but he, he can't actually put it together at the moment. He's struggling mm. for match fitness and um, form. So it's, th- those are yeah. huge players for us. Who, mm-hmm. on paper, you still want to kind of pick as our best players on a day, but their forms patchy, and I, I, I can only think that those serious injuries have actually had a big effect.
1: Oh yeah, as well, and like these. Um, I mean, let's let's call it what it is. We have a very aging squad. And um, I, I'm, I'm not going to criticise Ream, say, for example, for having an injury being 36 and then they're, they're not coming back like a spring chicken completely refreshed. Like, I mean, I, oh, God forbid anything happens we're not, to We're Willian. not
2: criticising. We're not We're not criticising. We're, we're just trying to no. find some reasons, you know, behind some of these things mm-hmm. which are a bit nuanced and quite difficult to put your finger on because you look at them and you think, well, you know, they're still playing pretty much the same way but major injuries really do derail you. And I mean, some players get a major injury and that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's um, bounce back to the game itself. Uh, halftime 1-0. Again, I thought it was very even at that point, And there was definitely the opportunity for Fulham to get back into the game. But it felt like we needed to score the next goal to really have a chance here. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, a, a really good through ball set Watkins away. And um, at first I thought it was a, a poor effort from Leno and I thought he maybe should have done a little bit better, but it's actually a, a thumped finish from Watkins and he puts the ball away to make it 2-1. 56 minutes gone. Sam, I'll throw to you first. Did you think there was any chance Fulham coming back and getting anything out of this game at that point?
1: Oh, uh, look, I, d- I thought we were actually genuinely playing too good for it to be all doom and gloom i mean look um two nils never ideal but uh, i thought i thought robinson in particular had such a good game he's been so he's genuinely been so like this is easy yeah i thought it no i thought he's really really strong i mean like look even though he was like harshly contested by bailey considering it's um bailey and bailey is Extremely quick. I actually thought Robinson actually did some quite good stuff. I mean, for Christ's sake, he set up um, um, Maniz's goal, and he was actually really, really active. Um, but but
2: he is but he is first and foremost a left back, and that implies defence. And if you if you're not shutting down the guy oh, you're playing, be- matching up against, then you I don't know that you can say that he's had a great game.
1: Well, I always see Robinson as attacking wing back more so than like a left back. And yeah, maybe we can contest that, but that's, that's just kind of how I've always seen him. I've always seen him as driving forward. And as long as Robinson's actually driving forward and creating crosses, that's all I really ask of him. I don't, I don't ask too much defensively of him. I've never really seen him that, that sort of player. Um, what was the original question? Hmm? <laughs> i have never the seen question... Robinson
0: as a defender.
1: Oh, like no, nah, I've just never seen guy. him. Yeah. I know he's a defender, but like, like I've never seen him as like that intensely, like um, hard pressing uh, left back. That's just not who he is. I see him as darting up on the um, left hand side and pulling crosses in. That's that's what I see him as. I'm just oh. trying to find oh. a spade,
2: the spade, to see if I can <laughs> hand you, hand job. you one through my screen <laughs> so that you can dig uh. yourself out of that one.
1: ah uh, to be honest, I don't this really care. Job. Like that's that's just that's huh. <laughs> That's <laughs> all so
0: good. Uh, uh look, yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about that goal um for Mooney's. Well let's go on to it now because obviously we're we're um 2-0 down at this point. And look, Robinson does do well. At at first I thought the ball was sort of dead and buried, and again, that's the joy of having someone like Robinson with his pace to be able to get to the byline. He puts a ball in. And look, it's not the best ball in the world, but well done from Muniz. Moves really well. Gets to the front post. And before we actually talk about the finish, I think Muniz had, in general, a very good game again. I think he didn't get a huge amount of service, but he, um, he harried very well up top. He put his body around. He won a few headers. His passing and hold-up play was generally quite good. Um, and he's improving week on week for us at the moment. It's really... It's just pleasing to see because that's what you want from a player like that, and um, he's starting to deliver, and again, we saw him deliver a fourth goal in three games. He's picked up three man of the matches for Fulham in the last three games. Um, The man's on fire at the moment, and it's a really good finish Mm. past a World Cup-winning goalkeeper. Um, Mm. He doesn't give the ball up, attacks the near post, gets a little toe on it and puts it away, And, and look, I'm so stoked for the bloke he's... Loving his football at the moment, he's in great form. Brozier didn't even get himself on the bench through illness, but I think Brozier's really going to struggle to get himself in the starting lineup. Dad, your thoughts? That,
2: well, that that goal didn't actually. I, I was quite surprised when that went in. I was not expecting him to actually finish that. Um, no. I, I, th- I thought he did really well to get to it actually. And it's quite a deaf touch to actually give that past, Martinez. Who I thought you were going to call something something else other than a World Cup winning uh goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, look, I, I said that offline. I better not say it online just in case. Um but yeah, he's a right um, dickhead. Um anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I got it out of you anyway.
1: He's very good at being a dickhead. Like he should win. On, he, I mean, he's already won. He's won a World Cup. Oh, that's what man, Dad
0: I mean. was saying as well. Dad was like, oh, "I really like him." I said, "What do you mean? He's a dickhead."
1: Yeah, he's um, no, a I, dickhead, I, but he's got I, mind I, games. He's really impressive. No, I, I, I said
2: he's really good, yeah. but he's at being a dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> but, very annoying. Yeah,
1: but that's but that's that's what he does. He just gets in players' heads, and then they get really frustrated with him. No one else does that better. Well,
0: anyway, it's a, it's a really good finish. Go and Dad, yeah. feel free to elaborate on it.
2: Oh, nothing, nothing more than what I what I said actually. I think uh, it, uh, as uh, Black, White, and Fred, following on the live stream, says, and I totally agree. He's got no right to get to it, and he does really mm-hmm. well. Just gets a little cheeky foot to it, and uh, surprised me. And it, I, I feel like it's sort of surprised when the when the when the net crinkles. I feel like it actually surprises the crowd,
1: oh yeah, yeah, they're like they're shocked. It's like, oh yeah Maniz, ugh, I really like Maniz is like oh, okay, wait let me, let me center, let me center myself, um Maniz is such a fun little story right now, isn't he, because there's a serious, serious player in there again, I don't know if he um. I don't know what the fullest extent of his potential actually is but I mean he's capable of some really really good stuff and um I mean he he has that key striker instinct and he has he has um awesome confidence at the moment um I have no idea what the glass ceiling is but I'm I'm extremely excited to find out you know
2: oh look it's a, it, as you said it's a great story and the to 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 our com, you know uh, communal relief he's actually scoring some goals and it if he keeps going at half his conversion rate uh job done mm. um mm. and you, you have to ask a question uh, you know about Brozier, but what about Jimenez? we've all forgotten about him you know He's going to come back at some point. How's he going to get a game?
0: Mm. Oh, I think there's a, you know, a, at the moment, it seems like Muniz is making his case. I mean, Jimenez has had this good run as well. Um, Brozier, at this point, seems like he's going to be our third choice striker when Jimenez comes back. I think Brozier potentially has the most potential of all of those strikers, but you have to pick on form. Um, so at the moment, Jimenez, oh, sorry. Muniz is definitely top dog.
1: Mm. Jimenez
0: was starting to show his worth and play well, but what a point kind of for us to have coming towards the end of the season where you've got Muniz finally finding his feet. And I think I saw someone on Twitter today say, if you actually look at Muniz's time at Fulham now, based on the last three, well, on his performance in the last three games, scoring four goals, he now averages a goal every other game for Fulham, which mm. is quite a good little stat. That's like a good return for a striker. Any mm. striker would be pretty happy with that. Um, so, I look, again, I don't think Munez is the answer to all our problems, but at the no. moment he's, he's proving that he is a very good goal scorer, which is what we've wanted to see from a striker. And this is the kind of form that I wanted to see when he went to Middlesbrough because I feel mm. like in the championship, if he was put into the right system and into the right team, He probably could have knocked away 15, 20 goals last season if he's playing the way he is at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I'd really like to see potentially if we sort of buy a really top-class striker in the off-season next season, um, see that new signing come in as a starting striker, Jimenez as your backup, and give Muniz another loan spell at it, you know, La Liga, a championship club again, and really let him go off and... You know, knock twenty goals away in a season, and and get that confidence that you need to kick on to that next level. Uh, I think he's, he's well, starting on, to get the
2: potential. On, on the back of this little piece of form, hopefully, he's proven enough to scouts to take him on in the championship hmm. because because he, he he could absolutely do it, and he's got the physicality for the championship as well. I think he, he, I think you know on paper he he ought to do quite well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Look, from there, 2-1, it it was a mad final, half an hour, 40 minutes or so. um, And uh, both teams had chances, chances at both ends. I think the main thing for us to talk about from here to sort of round out the game is the performance of the referee. And I I don't often want to focus on a referee's performance. And I, I don't want to say that it's the reason that we lost. But, geez, it was not a good performance from the referee. Um, promoted into the Premier League for the first time having taken charge of I think I heard only six games in the championship this season but fast track to the Premier League he just looked out of his depth completely Um, at Mm. the start Mm. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt Mm. and saying he was he was refereeing it like it was a championship game he let a lot of physicality go and a lot of I'd say just strong challenges that more experienced Premier League referees probably call up to to control the game early doors. Yeah. He let those go, and it it just turned the game into a, a messy shit fight. And he, he kind of lost control before half-time at that point. There were a number yeah. of poor decisions, I thought. Um, and, yeah, Dad, your, your thoughts on the refereeing performance?
2: Well, you know what I'm going to say, because I sitting next to you saying it all evening. and. I, you know, I, I could see what he was trying to do, and I, I, like you, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, and and I, I think it was a he just didn't read the room very well. He mm. he he just let too many things go with very very consciously, I thought, very deliberately. Yeah, and he was trying to do the right thing, but and I said to you, you watch what's going to happen here. It's going to unravel. Players are going to get frustrated that that this is going on and it'll all go to shit in the later latter stages of the game. And look what happened with five yellow cards mm. in what maybe 20 minutes. And that's poor discipline from us, but it's the kind of thing that festers and 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 does eventually bubble up to the surface. There's a lot of metaphors there. I accept that. But um you know it it it's it's just the kind of approach that a really, really top experienced referee doesn't get sucked into in trying to play, um, let, let the game flow. Um, there's there's too many idiots out there. You know, McGinn, you know, even, uh, you know, a couple of our guys putting in some pretty hard challenges. It was going both ways. I'm not actually blaming the guy necessarily for favoring one side i think he was he he had it in his head that he wanted to approach the game in a certain way and he lost control of it uh it's a shame because i bet in another universe he's not a terrible referee but Mm. he just may not get a gig soon after that performance
1: Look, I'll I'll play slight devil's advocate here and uh, this might be a slightly unpopular pin but I don't necessarily mind too much um yes we lost the game I'm not happy about that I do appreciate though a shit fight sometimes and I like the last 10 minutes is just chaos in this game and there's like I mean the whole second half was very very intense um and like, yeah call, yeah, call me old fashioned. I do quite like that edge of your street, edge of your seat, just crazy football. Um, and yeah, I, I understand it's um, extremely frustrating um, because lots of stuff's going around. But
2: do you, know, do you know what? I think it's really telling when a player comes straight off the bench and gets a and gets a yellow card. Because oh it, yeah, it, it's it's very indicative of. The chat on the bench, everyone's observing what's going on. Everyone's getting wound up about it. You know, Adama comes on. Mm. Adama's booked. Um, His his was was unlucky. You're thinking
0: of Lukic. Lukic came on and before even touching the ball, he made a a shocking tackle.
2: No, no, no. Um, Actually, um, no, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right about Lukic. But Adama, didn't didn't he give McGinn a massive uh, shoulder? And then had a bit of a chat team as well?
0: Possibly, but I think that was actually before he got his booking, though. He got his booking for, it looked like it was a foul on Adama and he got booked for it. It was like a, maybe yeah. a high foot or something. I don't know. The, yeah. the ref, he just lost control and you could see it towards the end. There was um, a lot of poor challenges that got let go and, um, you know, then he got card happy, which we see with refs a lot when, They've lost control of the game. They just reach for their pocket because the players get frustrated. They start chatting back. And look, I'd agree that maybe we should be a little bit more controlled in a situation like that. But in the heat of battle, when you're 2-1 down and pushing for another goal and the ref breaks up everything you try and do, it's it's tough. And, you know, I look at moments like Moreno, um, terrible tackle as we're sort of breaking down the wing, doesn't get booked for it. Um, Not long after that, he does the exact same thing again, same tackle, gets booked for it. As I saw someone on Twitter say, if he'd been booked for that first challenge, he wouldn't have made that second challenge because he'd already been booked. And that's probably a second yellow card and he gets sent off. And that's just where this referee lost the plot because he should have given that first yellow card and then it changes the course of the game. And if if you make a couple of small decisions, you don't realize it at the time, but it really does affect the way the rest of the game is going to be played. And we see it when mm. referees get sucked into giving Polini the yellow card after 10 minutes. It ruins the game for for Fulham because Polinia's play is based on those big hard tackles. And if he gets a yellow card early, he knows he can't do it for the rest of the game.
2: I, mm. I also think, um, and call me call me out on this if you think I'm wrong, but I actually think... That back pass to Martinez not being pulled up was all part of this. I think he didn't yeah, have the sure. confidence. Didn't have the confidence to do it. I, I know it's questionable, but an awful lot of people would have would have actually oh, 100%. pulled that up. And what Martinez kind of played, played it, to Martin Martinez Premier played League? it really well. Mm.
0: What kind of referee it, promoted to the Premier League in their first ever game gives an indirect free kick four yards out? Ne- yeah. Never going to happen because you're yeah. going to be in all the newspapers, and that is. 100% in the back of his head going, yep. uh, if I if I blow the whistle right now, I'm going to get death threats off the back of this. And it's a shame so, that that's the case, but so tell it, me, it really is the case.
2: Tell me, why isn't VAR used for an ob- a clear and obvious error?
0: Because they'd probably say that's not a clear and obvious error because oh, he does oh stab at the ball. He does stab <laughs> at the ball, and, and you could easily argue that that is unintentional. And therefore, mm-hmm. I think... You go, You back the referee at that point. Um I I think it was a back pass, personally. I don't know how Martinez so calmly picked that ball up. And I think that's actually part of it, is the fact that
1: Martinez yeah, doesn't
0: control the ball first and then pick the ball. He just picks the ball up as if it's nothing. And you mm. kind of get away with it because of that as well, and it makes it look like not a back pass because the, the goalkeeper's going, well, it's not a back pass. Um, the ref got played. It, it's... Yeah, but you know the thing that actually triggered me the most about the refereeing performance is second half injury time, and oh, yeah. it was a tweet by Fulhamish. There were five minutes given. Fulham were looking quite dangerous, and I thought, "Geez, we're actually half a chance of nabbing something here and maybe getting an injury time goal." Uh, someone's gone back and done the, the analysis. The ball is in play for fifty-seven seconds in that last five minutes but the referee yeah. instantly blows it after five minutes of injury time. And that is he inexcusable. He
2: couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to hit the showers, I think. It's yeah.
0: inexcusable for me. The whole point is the referee oh, wears yeah. he wears two watches for a reason. He keeps time mm. on two watches. He didn't stop either watch in injury time, despite the ball only being in play for one minute out of the
1: five. That's That's and it- poor and inexcusable. I mean, I do understand that. Uh, at the ninety-fourth minute, though, I'm pretty sure um, Adama Traore, what I can only describe as a, um, basically a backwards shoulder block to uh, John McGinn. Uh, it, it it was getting pretty techie out there. It was everything but chairs. Like, um, and to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, it's what enter- it, Like, I'll, I'll put my hand up. It was thoroughly entertained because it was getting crazy. But I do yeah, but
0: you'd you'd be pissed off if the referee blew in the 86th minute because there's four yeah, minutes still to play, and that's the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah of course, but
0: yeah, uh... VAR he, ob- catchy. he definitely wanted to get out of there. You could see it <laughs> in his
2: face. He was V A R Jack, clear and obvious error. <laughs> Sorry, well, the game's I mean, not over. Keep playing.
0: <laughs> it's 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 happened before it happened in AFCON. I think a guy, one of the referees blew in the 85th minute. 100% oh, really? match fixing surely and then yeah. they, the fourth official said there's five minutes to go uh, five minutes of injury time were given and he still blew Not, the 90th minute and, no, and just no, walked no, off the um, pitch no, 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 no. no. Um, it's terrible no. terrible and it, <laughs> it, it felt a little bit like that in a way <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd blown in the 90th minute he may as well have Um, but look yeah. disappointing we go down to Villa 2-1 and um uh, look I felt like there was something to get out of this game I said it beforehand in my top tip, where I tip for a Mooney's goal and a one-all draw, wasn't too far off it in the end. If we hadn't had that one error, um, it's it's um, it should have been a draw. And I think Fulham, realistically, the the result is probably a fair one. But I don't think it would have been unfair if we we'd managed to cop a draw out of this one. Well, Does I mean, anyone disagree I, I... with that that assessment?
2: Well, I. I know I got a little bit infamous for producing a list of 20 last week, Jack, but perhaps actually I should take the mantle over the baton for uh, tip of the week because uh, I had a a couple of little multis going there and I actually pulled one off in the end.
0: You did. Dad's $150 richer, so he's buying me dinner this week. Um,
1: Nice.
0: The, it's all. I think it was one of the many tips I sent through to you as well. So I'm claiming it a little bit. Um, <laughs> might be the return of Jack's top tip, though. We'll see. Do You know, John, uh, you know I do actually a... want
1: to highlight before we uh, move on. Just on your original point, Jack, I do actually want to draw attention to um, a comment from Black, White, and Fred. And we didn't at least concede in extra time. We didn't. We didn't crumble. We didn't um, uh, pull a Man United. And <clears throat> I'm. I'm actually really happy for that because the game was so chaotic in that last 10 minutes in that extra time that um, uh, it could have happened, but it actually didn't feel Mm. like it was going to happen. But Mm. we've been in so many experiences where it doesn't feel like it's going to happen and then it actually does. So I do actually take that as a positive because at least we can actually see out the end of a very, very tough game. Against a very very tough opposition, and I like, I mean, because then it just comes down to can you get a goal within like the sixty minute period, and that's actually really attainable. Um, there is genuinely, I'll say, I'll say it again, there is a lot of positives. There is a lot, a lot, a lot of positives to work from from this game, mm. and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy bummed.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it, it wasn't a terrible performance. It was just underpinned by a bad error and a poor refereeing decision and i think if things had gone our way that's that's potentially a draw and i'd be very happy with a draw against villa based on the form they're in this season um look guys next game we've got on the cards we have a game against man united this weekend now the big news here is obviously the uh, the fact that Giapolinia is out in uh, not injured suspended he picked up his 10th yellow card of the season so he won't be playing against man united um sam i'll throw to you first you're a massive Polinia fan we all know that how big a loss do you think this
1: will be against man united oh i mean like look i mean i i'd name my firstborn son after the man um uh, so that that just gives you an idea of how highly i think of him um Oh that's I don't really want to th- like okay joining on my my honest feelings about it. I don't want to think about a game against Man United without Jabulani. That sentence doesn't make sense to me. I have to adjust to that in some capacity potentially next season, but for right now I don't want to live that truth. Um oh, look Man United have a plethora of issues. They have a um, a number of things working in their favour with um, Rasmus Hoyland kind of coming back into form and mm-hmm. Garnacho, uh, that front threes seems to be coming together. Scott McTominay's always been really, really strong, and there, I mean, there there are positives there that Man United fans will harp on about and say that it's it's the dawn of a new beginning. But I largely think that's bollocks. But there's still Man United. This isn't necessarily a game that you can slouch on. So, yeah, losing Palina for that is a massive, 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 massive blow. I don't really know who you actually put into that mix at this stage. Because, yeah, look, you can put Harrison Reed there. Of course, you can put Harrison Reed there. Or maybe you can even put Sasa Lukic there. I mean, Against Man United, though, that's not what you want. Like, you need an enforcer for that game. You need um, somebody in the midfield that literally says, don't come here, I will eat you. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be really, really challenging. Marco Silva's pulled off crazier stuff, though. I don't want to lose to Man United again because I'm getting really sick of it. And I reckon the next two to three games we'll probably play against them. It's probably the last time we'll actually realistically have an opportunity to beat them.
0: Ugh. Jeez, in it gloom, Sam. This, this is a Man United team who limped past Luton on the weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't but... be... Luton had 58% possession... More shots on goal than Man United did. I don't think this is uh, hurt an beatable Man though. United team.
1: Oh no, they're so yeah. beatable, and that's the thing that frustrates me about them. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, look, w- w- the one thing that Jack said quite rightly mentioned when Polina got his uh, yellow card was he's he's been on the precipice for quite a while. In fact, he's been he's been one short for quite a long time. Right and so if if we've got to lose him um maybe not the worst that we lose him against uh, a couple of tough teams um mm. ra- rather than playing uh lower teams that we absolutely have to put away where we really do need him um man united at Old Trafford, even if their form is terrible they're really hard to beat there um i i don't want to see Sasa Lukic um, actually selected in that enforcer role because he's 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 more dancing with the stars and enforcer for me. Um, yeah. uh, and I know that's a bit harsh. I don't dislike the guy, but I, you know, I I don't mind him playing alongside Polinia if 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 that's what we're looking for, but. Um, Lukic and Reed doesn't inspire me, and that's no shade on Harrison Reed. Mm. Um, I and I and I know there's been a lot of chat, um, about a, a possible sort of wild card replacement in Bassi playing at uh defensive midfield. I and and I think as someone, uh, Black, White, and Fred on the live stream suggested the same thing. I actually quite like the idea of it. Um, leave leave Reem at um. You know wh- where he is, and uh, push push Bassey forward. I I'd, I'd like uh, to see that.
1: I don't really like that. Oh <laughs> no, I I, you I want you
2: think Bassey. about it. He he actually he loves a bit of license to come forward, and you know pushing him one one level up the field actually gives him far more license to do that and far more freedom. Um, I I, I don't know that. That's his future, but could he do a role there? I'm I'm interested to see how, how that might might actually look.
1: I, I get uh, it, I'm but sure. um yeah, like Man United will counterattack and I want a really strong last line of defense. I love Tim Ream. I love Tim Ream, but I Man United are pacey and he's he's not in the greatest of form. Jack, you you, you say your piece?
0: Yeah, well I was I was gonna say I, I I know what you mean by Bassi and it's defensive midfield, and I I get the idea behind it, but let's remember what it was like when Bassi's playing on the right side of defence when he's a left-sided centre-back. It didn't work. Uh, It's a nice idea, and it should potentially work. There there seems to be – it seems like it should work, but it just doesn't. So I I think don't mess with it. Uh, For me, at least, it's obvious that you put – Harrison Reed in there I don't think Lukic hmm. has looked the player that we kind of hoped that he would be this season um, and Harrison Reed has overall done a pretty good job for us this year um, usually coming off the bench and playing little bit parts but he, he has been a decent player um, Bassie I'm just having a look because it's being questioned if Bassey's ever played defensive midfield before he hasn't well, he's white, played left mid white, three times
2: Black, white, and red um, suggests he's played um, CDM for Nigeria.
0: Yeah, I'm looking now to see if he has. Um, I, I for for in club football, he's made almost 200 appearances and never played defensive midfield. Um, I think maybe he's played as a more advanced centre back. I don't know if he's actually started a game so, in defensive midfield, but
2: if if not, if, if not, Kelvin Bassey, Jack. Who are you pairing Harris and Reed with? Well, Tom Kenny.
0: But Reed Reed plays in in Zhao's position as a defensive midfielder, and you play Kenny and um, Pereira. Well, probably for me, I'd play Kenny and Awobi, uh, with Awobi as the central player, and then I'd play yeah. Harry Wilson out on the right. Um, and I assume yeah. Willian's probably injured, so. Maybe Harry Wilson goes to the left and BDR starts on the right. But we, we have options now. In fact, I'd probably thinking about that Willian injury, if it's not a very good injury, then I'd probably start Iwobi, Pereira, and Harry Wilson as our, our sort of attacking three there.
2: Yeah, are you sure uh, Willian's injured?
0: I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. He clutched clutched at his hamstring, but we haven't heard anything post-game about if he is injured or if he's not not 100
1: percent sure
2: could we to to your point sorry sam go ahead
1: and i was just about to say can we even potentially have um iwobi alongside um kenny in that role i mean obviously i love i love iwobi out outright and i love him actually as far forward as we can but i mean uh, just in terms, of I think like, he could. Best, he's played back you know. there before, so I don't think it's
0: out of the question. But yeah, I, don't I, I it, just but... feel like we lose the balance that we get from having him forward. He's a he's a better player further forward than he is a defensive player. And I think the big thing that we I miss agree. with Polina is that physicality. And although Reed is half his size, I think he's going to put himself about far more than um, Iwobi or Lukic would. Uh, although Lukic did put in that very hard tackle. So maybe he's trying to prove a bit of a point coming off the bench and and going in hard and showing he can go in hard. But uh, I, I think you don't want to... Uh, again, same reason I wouldn't put Bassey at defensive midfield. I think you play players in their strongest position. Uh, with Tosin and Bassey both available, I want them both to be starting. Um, Man United have a few little injuries creeping around. Luke Shaw went off injured during the game on the weekend. Uh, Martinez is out in defense. wan is still out in defense. Molassi is out in defense. Um, Harry will uh, not Harry Wilson, sorry. Uh, Harry Maguire got subbed at halftime for a poor performance and looking like he was going to get sent off. It's it's not the strongest Man United side ever. And, um, yes, they do have some young talent in attack. Hoyland's obviously found a bit of form. Um, Garnachos had a very good season and sort of coming on mm-hmm. leaps and bounds. Um, Kobe Mainu as well, who's um, you know burst onto the scene, has been pretty good. But Rashford's been off. Fernandez hasn't performed at the levels you kind of expect from him. It, it's not out of the question that this Fulham team cause a few issues, considering the fact that we do have a fairly full fit squad available. Admittedly, missing Pelina, who's a big key part of it. But look, if Luton can cause Man United issues, then why can't Fulham? I think man for man, we're a better side than Luton. And as a as a team, as a unit, we're a better side than Luton. Uh, and I, I feel like this Man United side just aren't there yet. They're, they're, things are starting to click for them, but they're not there yet. And lose someone influential like Luke Shaw to injury, have a few players being a little bit off. Maguire and Casemiro both got subbed at halftime against Luton, despite them being 2-1 up because Ten Hag said they just were at risk of getting sent off, not playing very well, and so he wanted to protect them. I, I think there's, we we shouldn't write this one off, even though we're missing Pellegrini. Is my point here effectively?
1: I think that's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. Look, it's definitely attainable. I'm just, I'm just scared of getting hurt again because the the hurt have happened many, many times now. Um, but I look, I mean, I'm I I can literally foresee it. I know I'm going to believe for a full 80 minutes and I will be genuinely expecting to get my heart broken around about the 80 to 90 minute mark because that's what happens when we play Man United. But not this time. Not this time. Maybe this time. We'll see.
0: We will see. Let's have a quick look at the table. Um, Fulham still sitting in 12th place. Uh, Fortunately, the result not affecting us too much. Uh, Bournemouth sitting just below us on 28 points, although we do have a game in hand over them. Brentford on 25 points below us. Forest and Palace both on 24 points. Uh, Luton sitting just outside the relegation zone on 20, and we now have a 10-point buffer over Everton. Um, So we're 10 points clear of the drop zone. There's a bit of a gap opening up above us with six points adrift of Wolves and Chelsea, who sit in 11th and 10th, seven points adrift of West Ham, eight points adrift of Newcastle, and nine adrift of Brighton in seventh. Uh, Man United sitting in sixth place on 44 points, who we play this weekend. Not the most impressive goal difference from Man United. 35 goals scored. If you look up, all the teams above them have over 50 goals, so... In fact, the teams below them, Brighton have 48 and Newcastle have 53. So Man United really struggling to put the ball in the back of the net this season, averaging not even one and a half goals a game. Um, but they've been pretty sure in defence, 34 goals conceded, which is sort of around par for that sort of position in the table. Go on, Sammy.
1: Yeah, uh, I think um, one key point about Man United that we are missing, um, Rasmus Ho- Hoyland is the youngest player apparently to score... Um, six and six games, very likely he'll probably score a seventh as well. His, his form is that hot right now.
0: Mm. Meh. Meh. Not that <laughs> I, I think he's yeah. a good young player, but I think, um, you know, he has potential, but I haven't seen enough from him to think that he's someone we should be terrified of. To be honest, I was more worried about facing someone like, um, Broya when yeah. we played against Chelsea, than mm. um, Hoyland for example. So I, I feel like if we play with Bassi and Tosin at the back, I'm not overly worried about um, about Hoyland. I feel like Tosin will deal with all of the aerial threat, and Bassi's got a little bit more pace about him than all of our other defenders and the physicality to sort of put Hoyland on his ass a few times. And um, I think the biggest threat comes from someone like Fernandez deep creating things. We saw the passes that he's put in against us and the last few times we played against Man United. So that's definitely where the danger lies for me. Um, whoops. Guys, I think that's actually, that's actually everything. We've covered off everything in an hour, which is a, a massive effort for us. Um, I don't know if there's anything you guys want to touch on. One thing I would say is uh, recently on Twitter we have... Put out the call for anyone who's interested in joining the That's So Craven team. We're looking for someone, hopefully based over in the UK, who can help us with a bit of content on game days and post game and pre game. Um, So if you are interested or know of anyone who might be interested, please do get in contact. Let us know. No experience necessary. Uh, We just want to see a a few lovely faces apply, and and hopefully we can expand the team a bit and um, create a bit more content for you and a bit more instant content honestly
1: game. honestly if i'm allowed to do this then the the like everyone is welcome provided that they have a confident opinion i want to hear it i i i, I want to like sing to me show us your stuff we're really excited about it um i'm so tired right now you guys yeah, say stop, other things stop cut talking me off.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you <laughs> cut me off. don't say you're so tired just keep it keep it keep it um yeah. But look, it's it's uh yeah, a big week ahead with the game against Man United. We've got a tough little run coming up at the moment. Um, so we we do need to try and pick up points somewhere along the line. Maybe it's time for us to finally get that win against United that we've been so close to over the last couple of years. Um so look, we will probably cover the Fulham women's loss in the Capital One not Capital One Cup, in the Capital Cup in the next podcast. Uh, It's only just happened, so we're um, still without a huge amount of detail on it, but I would like to make sure we do cover that. So hopefully in the next podcast we'll have a bit more information and we can preview the next league game as well. But um, until then, I think, Dad, thank you for joining us tonight.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
0: And Sammy, thank you very much. Thank you.
2: <laughs>
0: Excellent, that was good, that, Sammy. That's that so good. Keep to that going forward. I, li- I really like that. That's a best contribution. Nah, so far. thanks for
1: having me, guys. It's uh, <laughs> like um, my star sign a is bed. Taurus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where's that mute button gone? Thank you, guys, and thank you to everyone on the live stream. It's been great seeing so many comments coming through as we're chatting here. We really appreciate people joining in, and as always, come on, you whites.